Hello, everyone. This is Food Talk executive producer Rob Perra. Danny will be conducting interviews here every day, talking with experts on food and agriculture and discussing topics like the impact of COVID-19 on the food system, unsung food heroes, how climate change continues to be a threat to agriculture, and other pressing social and environmental challenges that impact farmers, eaters, and the economy. On today's episode, Danny talks with Holly Ripon Butler, Land Access Program Director at the National Young Farmers Coalition, about what we need to do to support young farmers in the face of COVID-19. Please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and also share this episode on your social media channels. Enjoy the show! Today I get to chat with Holly Ripon Butler, the Land Access Program Manager at the National Young Farmers Coalition. And before I introduce her a little bit more, this is one of my favorite organizations in the world. They're doing incredible work. Please go check them out at youngfarmers.org. So Holly uh, works with her parents on their multi-generational family uh, dairy farm in upstate New York near Saratoga Springs. And the National Young Farmers Coalition is a national nonprofit advocacy network of young farmers fighting for the future of agriculture. And they work to change policy, build networks, and provide business services to ensure that young farmers have a chance to succeed. I'm really honored that Food Tank has had the opportunity to uh, work with the National Young Farmers Coalition over the last several years. Again, one of my favorite organizations. Please check them out. Um, thanks so much for joining me, Holly. I, I know um, it's a really crazy time for the coalition and so many uh, farmers. Before we, we we start, I just want to make sure you and your family and your colleagues are all feeling okay and staying safe and healthy. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on and for all the work that, that you all do uh, to get the message out about these issues that um, farmers and food producers are facing. Um, yeah, and thank you for asking. Um, we are healthy and safe and feeling really grateful to um, be here with our community right in this moment. That's awesome. That's great. I'm so glad. So I kind of just want to dive right in. There's so much to kind of unpack here. And it's, you know, it's a tenuous time for young farmers. It's a tenuous time for really farmers of all sizes, whether they're large or small. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, wondering how the coalition is helping, you know, the young farmers that you work with deal with, you know, their their markets closing, their farmers markets closing, their restaurants that, that they provide to closing. What what kinds of things are sort of happening as you as you watch this crisis unfold? Yeah, well, I think um, first of all, you know, like like everyone, farmers are experiencing a lot of uncertainty in this moment, and I think we want to just highlight and acknowledge that that um, there is a lot of fast moving uh, headlines and legislation, as well as impacts on the ground that farmers are feeling. Um, as a coalition, the National Young Farmers Coalition has been around since 2010. We were founded by young farmers and we're a grassroots advocacy network representing the next generation of farmers in the U.S. And, you know, we uh, believe that we can change a food system. Uh, we can change one that is in crisis and that that change will be powered in part by young farmer leaders who are um, caring, growing food for their communities, caring for the earth, and, uh, you know, really grounded in the realities of farming and the day-to-day of it. So we are 
you know, um, along with many other organizations that work with farmers and food producers, uh, we are doing continuing to do the work that we've always done in one sense, and um, you know, just shifting shifting up a gear in some ways. And so we are continuing to listen to farmers. Um, we've built this network of young farmers and ranchers around the country that uh, is really represented through our chapter network. Um, we've, we've got about um, 45 chapters now, and um, we ha are surveying farmers in our network. Um, we are trying to understand the impacts that they're feeling through mm -hmm. that survey. Um, we've been helping farmers facilitate chapter meetings, and um, we've had over 20 meetings uh, virtually with over uh, 200 farmers on some of the calls. Um, and we're also running a phone bank where we're just calling our members nice. and checking in on them, and we're hoping to reach over 5,000 farmers that way, um, just asking them what's going on in your communities. So um, that's you know, the, the foundation of our work is listening to our members. We're continuing to do that. But beyond that, we know it's a moment for action and particularly in policy. So sure. uh, before we get into that, Hallie, can, can you tell me what you're hearing from some of these farmers you're calling? What, what are the, I mean, I imagine it's they're scared. They're scared financially. They're scared about their own health. What are you what are you hearing from them? Yeah, um, we so, you know, through surveys and phone calls and our connections, we're hearing that there's just a lot of stress um, and uncertainty. Yeah. Um, new and beginning farmers are uh, typically taking on a lot of risk and starting their businesses. And uh, this moment is really no different um, in exacerbating a lot of the precarity that they, that they feel. Um, you know, we're hearing a lot of concerns about reduced sales outlets um, with restaurants closing uh, and farmers markets going offline in some cases. Some, some cases, farmers markets are staying open. I think, you know, one thing to stress is that the impacts are very individual and are felt very differently based on region and farm. Um, but we are, you know, seeing a lot of um, reduced outlets to sell products at, yeah. um, we're seeing just the, the stress of added um, caretaking costs, um, lack of locally available support resources, such as like veterinarian services or mechanics or um, disruption to planned projects. If you were working on building a barn and you know, are now not sure if you're going to have the labor or the supplies for that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think just some added costs of implementing these alternative sales strategies. Farmers are trying to make the rapid switch um, if they didn't have a way to sell online or to sell um, without, you know, having a lot of contact with consumers, trying to make that switch. Um, and yeah, we're just seeing a lot of farmers who depended on off-farm work often in the restaurant industry. Um, right. That has really evaporated overnight. Um, so yeah, I think... I want to definitely say that it's it's individual and it varies a lot, but uh, some of the themes that we're seeing are just yeah loss of sudden loss of income, yeah. uncertainty how they'll keep workers on board, um, you know, uncertainty about H two A and mm -hmm. work, and you know, for um, for farm workers and those on the the front lines in that way as well. There's there's just some added um, vulnerabilities and challenges that they're facing um, yeah. 
in terms of, yeah, just uh, like extra um, costs of transportation or, um, you know, caretaking and also uncertainty about what access they'll have to resources. You know, young farmers were already facing a lot of challenges, which the coalition has been, you know, really uh, good about bringing to light. You know, they they face lack of, you know, healthcare often. They face, you know, student loan debt. They don't have, you know, sometimes the mentorship or the business skills that they need. They're taking a lot of financial risks. They don't often own their, you know, their own land. So it's on top of all of those those things that they have these added stresses. So, you know, now I, I hope you can talk about some of the policy work that the National Young Farmers Coalition has done over, you know, over many years now, but what you're really focused on now in terms of COVID-19. Yeah, definitely. So um, we are, you know, a couple of things that we, we do beyond listening to farmers and helping them connect in the chapters are the state and federal policy work. And that's led um, by our by our members in many cases, and our our staff are here to support them having a voice. So um, we're ramping that up and doing that now. We're um, helping just make sure that farmers' voices are heard as these relief uh, stimulus packages are moving in Congress. So we've got um, a, a campaign where farmers can email uh, and get in touch with their representatives. And we've seen thousands of actions taken there to mm-hmm. uh, make sure their voices are heard. Uh, we're really closely following these uh, relief bills that are being passed. Uh, the CARES Act is a recent one in in DC, um, and making sure that farmers' needs are heard. We, you know, we were um, <clears throat> in particular trying to partner and lift up the voices of um, vulnerable and secure populations of like sure. farm workers and. Um, making sure that they're included and that we're lifting up the work that the great work that other organizations um, like Rural Co and United Farm Workers and um, their you know, National Sustainable Ag Coalition. There's a huge network of amazing advocacy organizations out there. So we're doing that and then making sure that um, we're helping farmers just navigate the regulations that are coming out. So yeah. there's particularly a lot of uncertainty right now about um, the small small business loans that were made available and if <clears throat> farmers can be eligible and the information we have about that is changing all the time and we're um, we're going to update our network as soon as we you know have some clarity and know more about what farmers can access in terms of um, disaster loan funds uh, sure. we're trying to track you know what's happening through farm service agency for farmers who are worried about what is happening with their loans and um, their ability to get operating or farm purchase assistance um, through that network. Mm-hmm. And um, we've, yeah, we're, you're trying to just help farmers navigate all that. Um, you know, there's some, there's been uh, a lot of resources flying around as well as policy. And we have a resource library on our website. We're keeping our blog up to date as these pieces move um you know we're also seeing um some student loan debt is a big issue for our membership and we were um you know we were glad to see the cares act include suspension of payments and interest on federal student loans until the end of september um but that's another issue that we're tracking um and you know certainly think that um congress has more more work to do as i mentioned there's um you know big 
concern right now that undocumented farm workers are not included in this Absolutely. relief bill. And um, there's, you know, concern about food access funding. Um, and uh, yeah, just a number of other, other things that we're trying to track through policy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, again, a lot to unpack. And for farmers who are, you know, trying to plant this time of year and trying to, you know, make sure that their animals are well taken care of, this is just one more added stress to like figure out how to go through all this paperwork. So again, you know, having a resource like the National Young Far Farmers Coalition, youngfarmers.org, everyone go there, um, uh, you know, I think is so valuable. Well, um, in addition to, you know, this crisis, what are some of the other pieces of work that you've been, I, I know there's a big report that you're planning on releasing later this year. What are some of the, the uh, you know, actions that we can look forward to seeing from the National Young Farmers Coalition? Well, yeah, as I said, you know, in many ways, our work continues and this moment just, it really highlights the need for um, support of our local food producers and our local food infrastructure and systems and the whole, the whole network of people that make it possible to get food on our tables. So um, yeah, we're continuing our work in uh, chapter organizing and supporting new chapters of farmers as they want to get started around the country. And you know, right now we're doing a lot of just making a Zoom technology available to them so that That's they great. can talk with their talk with their networks. But we'll keep supporting those chapters. Um, and in our policy work, we will keep supporting farmers on their state and federal level um, at, the, at the state and federal levels. Uh, we are going to keep tracking the you know, legislation going through Congress, but we're also, yeah, we're going to keep working on farm bill implementation that's mm -hmm. going on in the background. We have, um, you know, we're trying to share information with our network about what the appropriations process means, how all that money that um, got mentioned in the farm bill gets to farmers. And mm -hmm. so we're tracking that. We're writing comments on federal programs around conservation and uh, land access, making sure that that issue continues to stay front of mind for politi politicians in DC. Um, we're and working on providing business services to farmers as well. We've got a lot of resources on food safety that we've already published and Absolutely. a guide to the Farm Service Agency loan programs. Um, and we'll, we'll keep providing that and um, being a resource to farmers in those ways. Well, I'm glad you brought up the food safety, you know, sort of um, uh, requirements and, and resources that you have on, on your website. I mean, I think a lot of young farmers go into farming very passionate about, you know, the, the, the idea of farming, but they're not always as so, you know, well equipped to handle these requirements or handle the business side. So again, that's an, why your organization is so important because you're able to connect them to those, you know, those resources that they need to do their jobs better and, and actually make a living off of it and, and be able to do, um, you know, all, all the things that, that farming provides. I think there's a lot of us who forget that farmers are, are more than food producers. You know, they're, they're stewarding biodiversity, they're stewarding the land, they're, you know, great uh, um, uh, business people when they have the resources to do so. So it's just, it's a lot of intricacies that we forget when we, for, when we hear about farmers. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, and I think good to acknowledge that farmers are, um, the changes that, you know, we're asking for right now 
are really hard to be instantaneous. It, you know, it's important to rec recognize that it takes years to get young farmers to have the training that they need to yeah. run farm businesses and to have the local food systems in place uh, to get food to people and to have the infrastructure to process local food. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, this moment is hopefully uh, really showing us the, the skills and the networks that exist and the, the possibilities there and also the, um, the gaps and where we need to make long-term investments in mm -hmm. young farmers as a resource for this country. Um, and Absolutely. You know, thinking about really, I think there's also an angle to this that's important. That's like we're in a moment of uh, there's real possibility here to invest in our local food systems, invest mm -hmm. in farmers, make immigration changes to um, make healthcare changes. A lot of farmers are already we're already struggling with healthcare, and now I think that's um, become part of the conversation Absolutely. nationally, of course. So, um, yeah, I think you know, there's just a lot to say about both the, the the work that farmers already do and the opportunity to invest in that more. Yeah, there are some real bright spots that could come out of, of you know, this crisis, you know, people understanding how important food and farm uh, workers and, and farmers themselves are and understanding, you know, the challenges they face. And if if farmers get sick or if grocery store workers get sick, then, you know, we, we don't have you know, the, the kind of food that we want. And so really realizing that importance, I think, you know, a lot more people are interested in, in agriculture over the last few weeks than they ever have been. You see this rush to buy seeds and, you know, um, uh, get, get chicken coops built in, in backyards. So, it, you know, I, I think there, despite all of this chaos, there could be some really positive things that come out of, of all of us going through this crisis at the same time. Um, you, you mentioned before, you know, that a lot of, of, uh, small farmers are not equipped to sell online. Um, they haven't had, you know, websites, they've been mostly selling at markets. Do you think that young farmers, because they've grown up more with technology have sort of an advantage of over, you know, um, you know, older farmers in that respect that they can get a website up, that they can handle, the, the the sort of challenges it takes to to sell online or is it the same for all farmers well yeah I, you know right hard to um, hard to draw a, a blanket statement around that and I think one thing that stands out for me besides personal skills around technology is just the lack of internet access in some rural areas and I, um, so whether or not you know you understand uh, the systems that could be put in place for you, um, just having the ability to have a stable internet connection right. um, can be a huge challenge for a lot of people in rural areas. And so I think you know highlighting that um, is is important, and also that there's um, a lot of yeah, there's a lot of focus on these new on using new online systems, and I think they're they're very important for farmers in this moment and helping them connect with consumers. But um, we also, you know, want to acknowledge that technology won't be the answer. That we need right. to you Not know a panacea for sure. We, right, we need to support the success and the viability of having a farm business at its core, which you know starts with with the ability to access land and have land that's available for farmers in this country. And um, we need, I think, you know, really broad and bold policy changes to make that happen. And that starts with ensuring that we have equitable access to that land and that um, farmers who have 
been left out of the ability to have the security of land access have it. Um, and I know I'm not entirely answering your question, but no, I no, think, no, okay. you know, there's, um, we are, so I just want to say that, that um, about technology, that there's some barriers to entry for that. And also that we want to make sure we're keeping in mind the underlying challenges. But, um, but we have seen a couple really exciting kind of stories of our chapters and network coming together to mm -hmm. use this new, to find new ways to sell. And um, I think also something that, you know, I want to say in terms of the generational gap is that there's so much respect uh, for the farmers that have come before this young generation and really um, just appreciation for the work that, that they have all done for, you know, decades to get food to people without um without the internet right, and, right. um and i think you know in particular the um like the csa model that is getting getting so much press time now um that's come out of uh you know the the um, black farming community and research yeah. at Tuskegee university and um i think that's also really important to acknowledge um but yeah, we are seeing our, our network really engage with it. And for example, um, our Four Corners chapter in Colorado is working together to develop a regional website that includes nice. a map and directory of producers. Uh, that's something that a group of us are working on here at the Upper Hudson chapter in um, upstate New York. And um, yeah, we're, we're also seeing um, some farmers in New Mexico came together to launch a CSA called Better Together CSA from the Rio nice. Grande Farmers Coalition. Um, so they are offering, you know, just a, a pilot project of combining their farms together um, and uh, having availability for payment through EBT. Um, and their uh, their CSA hit capacity within five hours of putting it on online. So I think. Yeah, we are seeing farmers make that that pivot, but um, lots of lots of nuance and context around that that I want to point out. Yeah, I, I want to go back to sort of you know how we began this conversation when I introduced you. You're the land access program manager, and I, I you know we've we've been talking a lot about how farmers don't have access to land, and I, I just want to make sure that our viewers understand this problem and sort of this conundrum that young farmers face. And that's because land, especially in places like where you live, um, is very expensive, right? It's it's hard for farmers to to buy their own land. They end up leasing plots or renting plots. Can you go into that a little bit more so, so people have an understanding of how sort of tenuous the situation is for farmers who are, you know, young and starting out or new farmers because they have to sort of cobble together, you know, an acre here and an acre over there? Yeah. Yeah, so in our um, 2017 survey of young farmers around the country, we asked them, what are your key challenges? And land access was the very top of the list. And that was a challenge for uh, both first-generation farmers as well as those who've grown up on farms. It was a challenge for farmers in every region. And it was the top reason that people who had to leave agriculture uh, were telling us, you know, they had to quit. And the, um, yeah. the top barrier to getting started for those who were aspiring to farm. So land is really um, a central challenge. And it's it's connected to so many other challenges. Um, and I could, I could talk 
for so long about this. And I'm, you know, I am writing a paper about this right now that we're, we're going to publish um, soon. And uh, that will be, you know, something that where we get a chance to kind of go into all the nuances of this challenge. But the, yeah, the key points are that land is, is the top barrier that farmers are facing. Some of the, the particulars of that are that they just can't find land that's coming on the market for sale. Right. Um, it's, you know, really difficult to, if you're new to a community, a farming community, or you're new to this uh, industry to really get connected and a lot of land changes hands without ever coming on the market. So just finding land is really hard, but the other big challenge for young, young producers and, and really all farmers is that we're not valuing farmland in this country uh, for its use for food production. There's right. no, and in some cases it is being sold to farmers and that's happening, but there's very little policy or, um, you know, really systems in place that ensure that we're valuing this resource in that way. And so farmers are having to compete uh, with non-farm buyers, with developers, with people looking for second home properties, with people who are, you know, well-intentioned and want to maybe lease it to a farmer, but mm -hmm. they are going to, you know, and that can still create a lot of barriers of insecurity for farmers because um, leasing is tenuous um, and in many cases, although can be a good way for farmers to get started. So, sure. you know, there's a lot of, a lot there, but the basic challenge is that often you, you look at your business plan as a farmer and you go to a bank and say, okay, can I take a loan to get this property? And the two just don't match up and yeah. you're, you're not able to compete with the prices that are on the market. Um, there's a lot of additional challenges related to land, particularly for farmers of color and indigenous farmers that have faced you know, hundreds of years of right. discrimination and dispossession of land and the mm -hmm. ongoing uh, inequality in access to financing and, and land. And so, um, you know, we want to definitely highlight that these challenges are not faced equally by everyone. And if we want to create a just food system where we have food sovereignty, the ability to feed ourselves, the ability to have strong local communities, and this will, we're seeing, of course, impact us all. Um, we want to create the ability to afford farmland as a farmer and a working farmer Absolutely. to have the security you need to make investments in your business. Sure. I mean, yeah. So again, I just want to point out that, you know, in addition to the COVID-19 crisis, farmers face so many challenges and especially young and new farmers and, and remembering that and, and, and seeking out, you know, local sources of food is really going to be helpful for the farmers in your community right now. Um, you know, Holly, I want to ask you, what's your advice to the eaters who are listening to this or viewing us today? What advice do you have for them about helping support young farmers? Well, um, I think, you know, first listen to them, find out what their needs and challenges are in your community. What we can do is give the big picture and the, you know, some of the underlying challenges that a lot of farmers face. But what will be important is listening to, to the farmers where you are and um, connecting with groups that represent them or talking to them directly and, um, you know, doing what you can to support that kind of security for farmers right now in planning. Um, CSAs are one way if you're looking, if you're able to invest in, kind of make that investment in the farmer and in their season, because right now they're doing a lot of planning and planting. And if they have livestock, they, um, 
you know, have these kind of other challenges of, of uh, takes many years in some cases to raise an animal that um, is ready for, for meat. So they're in this real uncertainty. So anything you can do to um, invest in the security of farmers, support your local food infrastructure uh, by buying local outlets. And I think, you know, if you have opportunities, if you're um, able to, to increase food access for others um, through donating to local food pantries that are doing a lot of this work to try to bring food to people who are food insecure right now. Um, there are some really great efforts uh, that I've seen, particularly one in the Adirondacks. Uh, ADK Action is working with a, a local um, food, food hub to connect, to buy produce from farmers and then make food boxes available to great. Um, food insecure families. So things like that, if you um, are able to support those efforts, I think that's really important right now. And um, finding, yeah, just finding ways to, to be a partner in creating long-term security for farmers. That's great. Um, I know as part of a, a coalition that works to do very positive things, this can be a very sort of draining time for you. I'm wondering what keeps you and your colleagues at the National Young Farmers Coalition sort of inspired to keep doing this work despite sort of all the chaos? Oh, it's the farmers, 100%. The, the, you know, the people in our membership who are hearing from every day who are going out there and stocking their farm stores or planting seeds or milking cows or, you know, tending to their crops. And um, just seeing the dedication that they have, they uh, are not missing a day of work. And so we are here for them to keep doing what we can to ensure their voices are heard in policy and that they have the resources they need to um, get organized and support themselves and their communities. That's amazing. You know, that farmers are the most inspiring people in the world. So I, I'm so glad that you continue to do this work. If you want more information about the National Young Farmers Coalition, please go to youngfarmers.org. Thanks so much to Holly and all of our viewers. A reminder that this uh, episode will also be aired on our podcast, Food Talk with Danny Nuremberg. And you can find more information about the podcast and the National Young Farmers Coalition also at foodtank.com. A reminder that later today we'll be interviewing uh, Mike Curtin of DC Central Kitchen at 5 p.m. Eastern. Everyone, please stay well. Thank you again, Holly. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Food Talk with Danny Nuremberg. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. Make sure to return to foodtank.com every day for original reporting and analysis on the most pressing issues impacting our food system.